Chapter 6 of Hard to Beat by a Self-Made Man This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 6 Mr. Smithers Makes Bob a Reasonable Offer for His Red Dog Certificates Robert, said Mr. Scrooge as the boy came up to his desk, this gentleman accuses you of making use of the information of a confidential nature contained in a letter he dropped accidentally on the street, and which you found. What have you to say about it? I admit the fact. I picked the letter up from the gutter to examine the peculiar device stamped on the envelope. I read the enclosure to pass away time in the waiting room of the Continental Trust Company, where it had been sent by Mr. Sharpley, and I had no idea the contents were of an unusual nature until I finished it. That the letter contained a pointer on the red dog mine, I admit, and as it came into my possession through pure accident, I claimed that I had a perfect right to avail myself of it. I leave it to you, sir, if any broker in the street wouldn't have done the same thing under the circumstances. I think you ought to have returned the letter to Mr. Smithers at once, whatever course you took with reference to its contents. I would have done so, but the address was missing, said Bob frankly. You mean you tore off the address as an excuse for not doing so, sneered the visitor. No, sir, I don't mean any such thing. I handed you the letter just now in the same condition in which it came into my possession. I don't believe you. A boy who would read a letter not addressed to him would lie just as soon as not, said Mr. Smithers emphatically. Bob flushed to his hair at those words, and an angry retort came to his lips, but it was nipped in the bud by Mr. Scrooge, who said, That is an unfair remark, Mr. Smithers. There is no evidence that the boy has told an untruth. I assure you his record with us for veracity, not speaking of his other good qualities, is unquestionable. Well, he's your boy, and if you have such confidence in him, it's none of my business, said Mr. Smithers impatiently. If he will sell me the certificates of Red Dog he bought of you and Duncan and Company, at a slight advance on the price he paid for them, and promise not to say a word about the nature of the information contained in the letter— I'll let the thing go at that, and the big-faced man sat back in his chair as if he had made a very liberal proposition indeed. That's fair enough, admitted Mr. Scrooge. What do you say, Robert? I should like to oblige the gentleman, said Bob cheerfully, but under the circumstances I think I would be a fool to part with those shares. It is possible they may turn out to be a good thing. At any rate, I can afford to keep them until their value is settled one way or the other. "'Do you mean to say you won't sell them to me?' demanded Mr. Smithers angrily. "'That's what I mean,' replied the boy stoutly. "'I will give you five cents a share for the ten thousand shares. I'll bet you didn't give anything like that for them.' Five cents is no inducement,' answered Bob, much to Mr. Scrooge's amazement, who had long looked upon Red Dog's certificates as worthless. "'Well, I'll give you six cents.' "'No, sir.' I wouldn't take ten cents at this moment. Confound you, then, for a cantankerous little monkey. You'll find you've made a mistake in refusing my offer. I'm not a man to be played with. You have skinned me out of that stock by reading my letter, and I'll get square with you. Just mark my words. Tut, tut. You should not threaten the boy. He has a right to refuse to sell you that stock if he chooses to do so. It is his property, absolutely, and being non-accessible cannot be taken from him, even by the company. He may be making a mistake in refusing your offer, which strikes me as a liberal one, 
as far as I can see. But that is his lookout, not yours. I will make you one last offer, said Mr. Smithers, rising to his feet. I will give you eight cents a share for those certificates, and I'm not sure, but I'm exceeding my instructions in going to that figure. But I'll risk it. Is it a go? No, sir. The certificates are not for sale at present, said Bob. All right, young man, said the visitor, jamming his hat on his head with a scowl. You haven't heard the last of this. Perhaps you'll live to be sorry you did not take me up. It is possible I may, but I shan't blame you if I do, retorted the boy. This remark was received by Mr. Smithers with an ugly frown. Then, with a curt nod to Mr. Scrooge, he left the office and the building. From the fact that you have bluntly refused seven hundred percent on the stock you bought of us, I naturally surmise that there have been some unusual developments in the Red Dog Mine, said Mr. Scrooge when the two were alone. Is that the secret of the letter? Yes, sir. Are you sure it is a wise thing to put so much dependence on this information you have acquired? Mr. Smithers' eagerness to pay eight cents for that stock ought to be some evidence that he puts absolute faith in the pointer. I dare say you're right. Whatever the developments in Red Dog, no hint has been published so far. Has a fresh lead been opened up? The letter says so, and that the management is now waiting for the railroad which is being built to Goldfield to be completed when shipments of ore will begin. Then I should say you're doing the proper thing to hold on to that stock. If the ore should run well, up in the scale, Red Dog ought to be worth anywhere from twenty-five cents up in the near future. Mr. Scrooge then turned to his desk, which was a sign that the interview was over. Seems to me you're getting to be a person of considerable importance all of a sudden, said Kitty when Bob came out of the inner office. You mean people are just beginning to realize my value? grinned the boy. I see you're growing just as conceited as other boys. Thank you for your good opinion, Miss Barnes. You are quite welcome to it, Mr. Brooks. Oh, come now, Kitty, I can't stand for that. You can't expect me to call you plain Bob any more, now that you're developing the big head. I didn't notice that my head had swelled any, expostulated the boy. Perhaps you'd better look in the lavatory mirror and see for yourself. Look here, Kitty Barnes. What are you driving at? I'm not saying a word she answered innocently, continuing to rattle away at the keys of her typewriter. Not saying a word. Why, you couldn't keep quiet if the house fell on you. Thank you. You're extremely complimentary. You are mad, are you? Kitty kept her lips closed tightly. Why don't you speak? Click, click, clickety-click, went the Remington. All right. I was going to offer to take you to the bridge cars tonight, but if you're angry, of course... Don't be foolish, Bob, with her eyes on her copy and her deft little fingers on the keys. Of course I'd be glad to have you go along. You know I would, you ridiculous good-for-nothing boy. So there. The stalwart young messenger was apparently satisfied with that, for he said no more, but went into the reception room and took his seat, ready for anything that might turn up. End of chapter 6